You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This past weekend, I am very, very happy to announce that we were able to record a new class that will be posted to Bride Ministries Institute or BMI, which you can find at bridemovement.com in the top search bar, called Deliverance Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. And this is a nine-part series. It's an entire course, just like all of the other courses we've posted to Bride Ministries Institute on the subject of all the deliverance ministry prayers in the back of the Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth book. What many people have realized, if they haven't had much exposure to me but have gotten their hands on the book, is that the prayers in the back of the book work and produce profound breakthroughs. Yet, most people do not understand why, because they look at the language and find it to be foreign to them. Well, this course is going to be where I break down the revelation behind the language in all of those prayers, because it's extensive. It actually is about 10 hours or more of teaching, uh, point by point, precept by precept. And uh, for those of you particularly that uh, aspire to be deliverance ministers or take your deliverance ministry and inner healing ministry to the next level, maybe you're already using some of the prayers on our website but want to understand them better, this this is the course you've been waiting for. And it's going to post in a couple of weeks. Now I want to say it is based on the book Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, which uh, we continue to watch sell, and I'm just praising God for that. Uh, we are continuing to get back the most profound testimonies of this book. I mean, it, I get testimonies like every day uh, from what this book is producing in the lives of those that get their hands on it. Uh, many people purchase it, come back and purchase four or five more copies for their family and friends. And we, we are just after the fruit. I want to uh, also say we, we have over 60 reviews on Amazon, and I am just like, thank you, Jesus. I'm believing God for 100 reviews on Amazon, and we are getting closer every week. Thank you for all of you that have taken the time to post a review, and if you're still thinking about it because you've seen some fruit from the book and you want others to know about it, I want to encourage you, take a minute, go to Amazon.com or another website that sells it, and leave a review so others know. Now, I want to take a minute to just let you guys know, we do a lot at Bride, and there are a lot of things that happen that you know, if you're just following this podcast, you don't hear about one of those is the Dallas Intercessory Gathering. It's a closed meeting of with the purpose of intercessory prayer. And uh, we've been doing that all year. Actually, we meet once a month and we are just uh, excited to see what God is doing as a result in the city of Dallas. We are continuing to support survivors and take survivors off of our waiting list and assign them to coaches. And we are just regularly making that investment in order to bless people. Uh, and we, we, we make other opportunities available to survivors at this ministry that, you know, isn't necessarily public knowledge. But I'll tell you what, folks, supporting Bride Ministries allows us to do all of these services to the broken and the healing. And so we are also doing a lot with the Fireplace Church, which meets every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And 
I mean, I'm going to be honest, guys. If you haven't been attending the Fireplace Church, you're missing out. One, and it is our platform for building community, and it it's not going anywhere. It has grown, but there's room for growth. And when you do sign up for the Fireplace Church, you will be educated each week as to how to join our weekly discussion groups, groups that meet throughout the week. Uh, right now, we are running four official groups that are meeting at different times throughout the week. I'm not leading them all. We're releasing servant leaders to lead those groups and people are being blessed. And if you haven't been attending the Fireplace Church, you're not getting the memo uh, because we are building community and this is our outreach platform. Now, uh, we have an event coming up uh, we had something we called it the Bride Tribe Retreat, and that was in May, and it was wildly successful. We had 45 people come from all over the country, and it was it was amazing. Um, we just had such a good time, the photo ops, and we worshiped God together. We ate meals together. We fellowshiped. I mean, man, was it a beautiful thing. And yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, I didn't get an invitation. I would have liked to come. Why didn't I get an invitation? Answer, we are being intentional about building community. And so the only place the announcements were made about the Bride Tribe Retreat was at Fireplace Church. Uh, Those that showed up on Sunday nights were getting the memo and having explained to them how to sign up for that. And so if you want to be a part of the growing community and fellowship at Bride Ministries, you want to become part of the Bride Tribe, as we are calling it, um, show up, show up, hang out with us, uh, see a few faces and we meet every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So I want to make that knowledge available to you because we're going to be having another Bride Tribe retreat in the fall and the details will be getting relayed at the Fireplace Church. So with that said, thank you for all of you that continue to support us financially. And for those that believe in our mission, I want to encourage you supporting us financially is as easy as going to bridemovement.com and going to our donate page and we just so appreciate all of you that continue to make what we are doing possible and propel us into the glorious destiny that god has for this ministry with that said we're going to get to our program don't go anywhere you're listening to discovering the truth with dan duvall Folks, we're back on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and this week I have a special treat for you, a voice that you, well, many of you are very familiar with, but hasn't been on the program in a while. Dr. Preston Bailey is back with me, and we are about to get into it on something that is just well overdue. I mean, we, we're we sitting on a pot of gold, and I am going to have him pour it out for you. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Dr. Preston Bailey, because maybe you have just connected with this podcast or you're kind of new to the ministry, you found us more recently, he specializes in the treatment of dissociative identity disorder caused by satanic ritual abuse and Illuminati programming. He is a gifted and eminently qualified DID SRA coach with 43 years of experience in pastoral counseling and training with an emphasis on DID. As a retired pastor, he now spends most of his available time working with survivors. You can find him on our website, bridemovement.com, under our Find a Coach page. As a matter of fact, um, based on his availability, you can even sit down with him personally. And, you know, his website is www.spiritualwarfarecenter.com. 
Dr. Bailey, it's so good to have you back on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Dan, it's great to be back. And you have a great ministry here ministering to those with dissociative identity disorder. And so I, I thank you for your faith and your courage in in making a stand to minister to these people. Oh, amen. Well, I, I appreciate you. And, and for those of you that don't know, uh, Dr. Preston Bailey spent about a year or more uh, just pouring into me uh, before I ever got started with anything I'm doing and mentored me. And I am always just indebted with gratitude uh, towards him. And, 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 you know, Dr. Bailey, we were talking recently and you had brought a conversation topic in, 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 and it had to do with curses. And, and you, you basically said, look, I'm working with someone and they have the capacity to pull from, and I'll, I'll let you break it down, but I'll, I'll give my version and then I'll let you explain it. Pull all of the data about the exact type of curses they are being targeted with and we're able to expose them and dismantle them on a weekly basis. <laughs> and I said, man, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice for all of us folks to know what kind of curses uh, we're being targeted with. Because, well, I know that some Christians believe that a curse can never work on them, but I'm gonna let you start off by explaining why that's not quite correct. And then I wanna get into what we're actually up against. So Dr. Bailey, my first question to you is, why is it an incorrect assumption that a Christian cannot be the recipient of a curse or be targeted by one or operating under one? Well, first of all, one of the uh, five most common doorways that are opened in a Christian's life to be attacked by demons is uh, someone placing a curse on them. Um, as any uh, deliverance minister uh, throughout the years has known that most of the people that come to them that's controlled by demons and has demons in their body are Christians. Otherwise, you couldn't cast the demons out because it takes the power of Christ. And if the person is not a Christian and you cast the demons out, then the demons have a legal right to come back in until they accept Christ as their savior. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, when it comes to this subject, I would say most Christians and most Christian pastors are very naive uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, curses. I'll never forget, and this is a good introduction. Uh, in one city, I went and I spoke to a bunch of pastors about uh, uh, curses and how to pray against it and spiritual warfare. Well, uh, some of them, you know, just half-heartedly listened to what I had to say. But one of the pastors of a large church, the next day he had to fly out of town. So what he did was <clears throat> he jumped on the plane and the guy he sat next to on the plane had bowed his head and was praying. Well, when the guy finished praying, uh, he, this 
Christian pastor asked him, he said, are you a Christian? And he says, no. He said, well, were you praying? He said, yes, I was. He says, well, what, what were you praying? He said, I'm a Satanist. He said, uh, we pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night, and we pray three things. Number one, we pray a curse upon every pastor in America. Secondly, we pray a curse upon his family because if bad things happen to a pastor's family, that's going to affect him personally as the pastor. And thirdly, we place a curse on his church and we pray that it be divided and that it would have all kinds of division and problems. And so three times a day, at least, he said, we pray curses against the pastor, his family, and the church. And we do that at least three times a day. Well, this pastor, he sat next to the Satanist for several hours on the flight. And he, uh, when he got back, he called me up and he said, I'm sorry, but I wish I had to listen to closer to what you had to say. He said, can you tell me again what I need to pray to renounce the curses against uh, me and other pastors, my family and my church? And so he was very motivated to listen to me. This is why we're talking about this, folks, because uh, believe it or not, uh, believers all over the country and well many of you know this because you recognize you've been clearly targeted uh, you're looking for solutions as to how to overcome spiritual opposition that is sometimes very difficult to put your finger on or explain uh, you only get the results things don't work business shuts down can't get out of debt this all, all, all kinds of patterns that keep reoccurring I can't never seem to get above water I want to ask you to give us a little bit of background, Dr. Bailey, on um, the nature of the, the, the discovery of all of these very specific curses that, that you now have an understanding of. How did you begin to um, recover these with the individual? Well, what happened was... Uh... <clears throat> I, I first years ago, uh, when I uh, came out of seminary and started pastoring, I started to witness people to people that I met in the community and on the streets. And it turned out that God sent me to cities where there was a lot of witchcraft and a lot of Satanism going on. Uh, so to make a long story short, uh, through my 43 years of ministry, I have led many witches, warlocks, and Satanists to Christ. Uh, and as soon as I led them to Christ, I baptized them in my church. They would teach me what witches and Satanists do. And they would tell me about curses. So I knew the Christian side of it, but I didn't know the satanic side of it. 
or the demonic side of it. And what happened is uh, one day at church, a one of the young women in the church, uh, she met the head uh, warlock for the city. He was the satanic high priest. And he had 300 witches in his coven. That was very large. Normally a coven is six male, six female, and a high priest or priestess. But he had 300 witches in his cult. And they were Satanists. They worshiped Satan. Um, and what happened was she brought this satanic high priest over the city to church. I'll never forget. He sat in the balcony, real tall, long hair, you know, dressed in all black, of course. And I just happened to be preaching on the power of Christ that Sunday. And every time I would say, the power of Christ is far greater than the power of Satan. This satanic high priest, he would shake his head like this, and he would mumble, no, 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 no. And just to be a little bit irritating, I kept saying it. The power of Christ is far greater than the power of Satan. Every time he would shake his head, no, 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 no. And I would say, I'd say Satan is just a fallen cherub, but Christ is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And I said, if I was going to follow someone, why just follow someone way down the totem pole, just a cherub who has four wings? He's not even the highest level of angelic being. If I was going to follow someone, I would, I would want to follow the head honcho, the one that is the most powerful. And that's what the God of the Bible is. And as soon as the service was over with, I was inundated by dozens of people from all sides. And it would be uh, uh, teenagers. It would be people in their early 20s. It would be school teachers, and they would say, did you know that the satanic high priest for the city was here today in church? And I, I had a dozen or so people tell me that. And I said, I said, I know it now. <laughs> so I, I recognized the girl that brought him and her, her father was real strong. He had huge arms and he owned a trash pickup service. So all day long, he would pick up trash cans and throw it in a, uh, a, a truck and go dump it. That was his business. And he was bald as a, as a cue ball. And as he was going out the door, I grabbed him and I said, I said, uh, sir, I said, did you know that your daughter brought to church today? And I'm glad she did. She brought the uh, sa satanic high priest for the city here. He says, no, I didn't know that. I said, 
this afternoon at my house at three o'clock, I want you to bring him to my house so I can talk to him. And he says, how am I supposed to get him there? I said, look, let me see your arm. I said, flex. So he flexed and he had a huge bicep. I said, look, you're strong as a bull. I said, I'll leave that up to you to figure out how to get him to my house. <laughs> I said, I'll be at my house at three. I said, you just pick him up and get him there and I don't care how you do it. <laughs> and I laughed and he laughed and he nodded at me. He says, he'll be there at three, preacher. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I had, <laughs> I had one of the uh, the deacons uh, in the church who was also the coach in the high school. And what we did is we prayed at the house before we came. And uh, we bound, we claimed the threefold cord and we, we bound any evil spirits from entering the, my house. Normally, I don't suggest that you bring satanic high priest or priestesses into your home because demons have a legal right to come in but I believe in the power of Christ so we bound any demons from coming in my house and sure enough exactly at three o'clock that bald-headed muscle man he brought that guy uh, to my house and I opened the door and he was real tall. I invited him in, shook his hand. I said, I'm, I'm so glad to see you. So he uh, came in and we talked for about an hour or so. And I said, I said, we, we talked about Christ. We talked about Satan's, Satanism. And we talked about demons. And he said, uh, I've never met a pastor who knew so much about demons as you do. So uh, I, I said to him, I said, I said, let me ask you this. Why is it that God loves his followers, but Satan hurts his followers? And, and I'll never forget. He said, you know, he said, Dr. Bailey, you're exactly right. He said, my spirit guide, which was the prince demon over the city, a prince, the Bible calls it principality. A principality is a prince over a polity. A mayor is is uh, the head of the municipality, and so a principality is a prince over a polity, a designated area. So his designated area was the city. And his personal spirit guide, his demon, was uh, the head demon over the city. And he said, you know, he said, you're right. He said, whenever I have my 300 witches come for a big meeting, he said, we meet by the bridge next to the river. Uh, because they do rituals near the river near water is what they do they're supposed to give them more power he said sometimes 
my spirit guide is is just nuts. He'll he'll pick up uh, one of the the Satanists and pick him up, and he'd throw him over the bridge into the river, which was quite a ways, and they wouldn't die, but it would scare them half to death when they hit the water. And so we'd have to pull him out of the water, and he said, I would be in my room at night, and the demon would come in this room and hassle him, and, and he said, you're right. Demons really hurt you. They cause you problems. And he said, what you said is correct. He said, so I've decided to do as you said, and I'll accept Christ as my Savior. So we had to pray, and we we bound the demon, uh, the demons that had been afflicting him, and it was difficult for him. But he went through the sinner's prayer. He renounced Satan and all of his ways, and accepted Christ as his Savior. And he had a serious problem with depression. And after this, after he accepted Christ, the depression was lifted. And this was a Sunday, and that night, uh, I baptized him in church. And it was the talk of the community. So uh, here we are, and uh, I baptized him. And people all over the community started talking about, hey, did you hear about the satanic high priest of the city? He he accepted Christ as Savior, and he's been baptized. And, and so um, it, it was something. And so uh, that week I would talk to him and, mm-hmm. about things. Uh and he would teach me about curses and uh, the curses they used. I said, "Is he said, now this was two weeks before Halloween. He said, does that mean I can't meet with my 300 witches on Halloween? I said, yes, that's what that means. See, their thinking is different. They've been doing this much of their life. He said, I said, I said, uh, is there somebody significant that you want me to talk to that's involved in Satanism? He said, yes. He said, a good friend of mine is the warlock over the whole county, not just the city, but over the whole county. He said, if it's all right with you, I'll have him come to your house at seven o'clock tonight. I said, great. So I, I prayed. And again, I had the Christian coach come over and we prayed together and bound any demons from coming in my house. So anyway, to make a long story short, this guy came over and, he was really spooky looking. I mean, 
if you think of a Satanist, that's exactly what this guy looks like. Dressed in all black, long hair. He walked very confidently wherever he went. He acted like he had power. Mm. So he came in and we talked for several hours. And uh, most of the time we talked about demons. And he said, <clears throat> we talked about curses and, and things like that. And he explained what witches do and, and the curses. And I, I told him about Christ and that he needed to accept Christ as the Savior. And he said, he said, I need to go. He said, but I just want you to know, I enjoy talking to you. And uh, he said, and I'll think about what you said. He said, I'll think about uh, turning to Christ. And just as he was getting ready to go out the door, I said, I said, now, uh, do you mind telling me if you brought your demon with you today? He says, I'll tell you. He said, uh, I like you, and I'm, I've been honest and open with you. He said, I could not bring my demon in your house tonight. He said, my spirit guide is the head prince over the whole county. And he said, the faith in this house was so great that if my prince demon came in this house, he would have immediately been sent to the pit. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, do you mind telling me where he's at? He said, he's outside, and mine was the corner house. He says, he's under the street light out there. He's waiting for me. <laughs> so... I said, well, I want you to think about what I said. I said, I'd be glad to talk to you anytime. So he left and he got in his car and on the ride home, uh, the demon, his demon was furious. He was furious that he had talked with me. And when he got home, he would open a kitchen cabinet and the demon would come out of the cabinet and stick his head out and he said, don't listen to what that preacher has to say. He said, the blood of Jesus Christ is nothing but urine. It has no power at all. And he, the demon was cursing up a storm. Now this is the head principality demon over the county. And he, he got to thinking about this. He said, you know, my demon has never been upset like this. He's never been scared like this. So that means what the preacher told me must be true. So right there at his own house, he accepted Christ as his savior and renounced Satan in all of his ways. And the next day he came to my office and told me. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> so he 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 would teach me what demons do and he would teach me about curses he said now I don't use the liturgy of magic now what that means is to summon demons most people have 
a liturgy, a ritual or a ceremony. And they have to do this exactly right or the demons will get mad at them and hurt them or something bad will happen to them. He said what he does is he just holds his hands up and he calls the demon by name and summons them and the demon comes. He said he was chosen for his position as the head warlock of the county when he was five years old. <clears throat> when he was five years old, his parents were scared half to death of him. They would, at five years old now, they would refuse to go in his room because stuff would be floating around in his room. <laughs> and they had crucifixes lined up uh, down the hall, all along the wall, outside his room and his parents were scared half to death and of course he was in his 30s now but he said he would be in his room uh, playing checkers or cards or whatever with the head prince demon over the county but his parents wouldn't see the demon <clears throat> so he would be invisible to them he could see it but they would see the cards suspended in air. They would see the checkers moving by themselves. So his parents were terrified of it. So then what he went on, he, we got to talking about demons and curses. And he said, uh, in the game Dungeons and Dragons, it tells a lot of the different types of curses that witches use to cast spells against people and he would often talk about Demigorgon and I said well what is Demigorgon he said Demigorgon is the largest demon in the world it's like a dragon you know the Bible speaks of the in the book of Revelation Satan has his trinity uh, uh, the beast or the antichrist the false prophet and the dragon he said, Demigorgon is a dragon. He's very tall, and it's from China. He said, uh, and we, we got to talking about different demons, and I would ask him, well, what do they look like? He said, what if I show you a picture of it? Would that make you happy? I said, sure. So he said, uh, uh, come with me. So. We drove to Toys R Us. <laughs> we drove to Toys R Us. And he went over and he found the Dungeons and Dragons Master's Manual. And it had all of the main demons. And it had a drawing of what they looked like in color. And he said, he said, I've seen all these demons. And he said, this is exactly what they look like. I said, but that means the guy who wrote the book, Dungeons and Dragons, had to have been a real warlock. He said, that's right. And he said, this is exactly the way they look. And he said, in this book, D&D &D book, 
is the curses that they cast on people. And he said, this is a number of the type of curses. He said, but what most Christians don't understand, Christians, he said, don't understand the power of words. There is great power in words. He said, so that's what he does. He said, when, when he was a warlock, he would just hold out his hands and he would speak the words that had power and he would summon the demon by name and he would say, come, and they would come. He said, so there's power in words. And so I said, well, what you say is exactly correct. Jesus was walking on the water. Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He said, I said, now Christians don't usually think like this. We don't think of speaking to the wind. We don't think of speaking to the waves that are attacking us and want us to drown. But that's what Jesus did. So what you said is correct according to Jesus. There's power in the words that we speak. And when those words are evil to mean someone harm, that is a curse. So a curse is an expression of words of desire to harm a particular person or a group of people. And so he said, there's power in words. If Christians knew the power of the spoken word, they would revolutionize the world. And, that, and that's so good it, because it, what that brings out is, is one, it brings out a lot of the complication that people get caught up in their heads like, oh, you know, what is a curse or how is a curse performed? Do you need a bunch of candles? Do you need to draw a pentagram on the floor? Do you, or, or can it be uh, more simply defined? And, and really a curse, like you're saying, is established by words that is spoken over a person or an event and it has negativity attached to it or or... or any kind of thing. So, so you know, word curses can be as simple as a, a parent cursing their child over and over again, literally That's cussing right. them out or speaking over their destiny. You're a failure. You're no good. So on and so forth. It's, it's, it is a word curse. And uh, then they get fancier and more effective the more, at least as far as I understand it, the more they attach to it. Like if they power up a curse with a sacrifice, like they slaughter an animal or there's a lot of right. rape going on and then they're going through some kind of ancient language curse that's being powered up with an atmosphere of satanic rituals and then they can do pretty massive stuff. But it it's like yeah at, at its base here you have a curse and it it's evil words and we have the power to bless and to right. establish uh, an interface between god's will and earth and with our mouths we can accomplish these things and so um you know that's so good and now here's the thing dr bailey you have 33 pages of notes sitting in front of you and i know that because you told me 
And I want to invite you to begin to walk us through some of this stuff now, because uh, what I want to know is what kind of curses are they actually throwing at people? Well, just remember, there's power in the words. What you said is correct. I was, uh, I was uh, counseling a guy by Skype this week. And he had been under a, a psychiatrist's care for the previous seven, eight years. And his parents uh, kept telling him that he's never going to get better. And I, I couldn't believe it. He carried around his laptop. And within 60 seconds, his mother got on the camera behind him and said, uh, don't tell him to get off his meds uh, because he's got his condition for life. I said, I never mentioned anything about medicine. And within 60 seconds, his grandmother got on camera and spoke evil words and said, uh, don't try to tell him to get off his medicine. He said, we have to live with him, and he's never going to get better. Now, within 60 seconds, both his mother and his grandmother spoke a curse over their son and grandson. His whole countenance changed, his whole attitude changed, and his whole body language changed from optimism to pessimism within 60 seconds. Mm. Isn't that awful? Terrible. So parents don't realize by the words they say over and over again to their children, you are actually in the spirit realm placing a curse on your children. And so Christian parents can curse Christian children. Yes, exactly. With this under, I mean, I mean, and, and 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 this is just you know, okay, well, let's just blow the devil playbook right open and, and say like, this is power for the course, folks. Okay, go ahead, Doctor Bailey. Now, uh, let me let me explain further about curses. Now, there are people who say there's no such thing as curses. Well, we know in history here in America that there have been curses placed on a family line. And everybody knows about the Kennedy curse, right? Everybody's heard about that. Then there was a curse by Chief Tecumseh uh, where he cursed uh, uh, presidents of the United States that said, uh, this was starting in 1840, and in every 20 years, in in every president uh, that was divisible by 20, uh, that evil would befall them. Hmm. And historically, that happened, and one of the presidents 
that was divisible by 20 was President Ronald Reagan, who was attempted uh, assassination. And we know there's cursed objects because everybody in Hollywood knows about the Hope Diamond that's supposed to bring a curse or misfortune to its owner. And historically, that's exactly what has happened. We know about uh, the curse in opening uh, the tomb in Egypt, the curse of the pharaohs. A lot of the people uh, that were there when King Tutankhamun's tomb was opened died an untimely death. Hmm. Now, the Bible speaks about curses. The Bible says that God brings curses on people. Now, what do you think of that? And why don't you just take a moment, because on that point, which is, I mean, you read the Old Testament, you can't get away from that one. Like, there are passages that do speak to, you know, God bringing judgment. Um in Malachi, specifically, it says, will a man rob God? And, he, and it actually talks about a curse coming on people for that whole piece. And I, w- I want to just give you an opportunity to, you know, kind of clarify for people what that means and what the context is where a curse would come from God. And and what's the difference between that and, say, you know, a Satanist sending a curse at someone? Well, first of all, God is the only righteous judge. So whatever God says in the declaration is based on absolute knowledge and it is it is based on his absolute authority as the creator of the universe. The authority and I use the word loosely that that satanists or witches have is uh, is trespassing authority uh, is illegal authority God cursed the serpent the Bible says the serpent the, that Satan used to walk upright and God cursed it so that it would crawl on its belly uh, Noah cursed Canaan Joshua cursed the man uh, who built the city of Jericho. In the Old Testament, there are list after list after list of curses against people who disobey uh, what is called the law, the, the five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, cursed the barren fig tree in Mark eleven fourteen. He said, because it bare no fruit, it was worthless. Jesus went on 
and he cursed cities, whole cities, and today those cities are in ruins. There's nobody living there. Jesus went on and he pronounced curses uh, against the scribes and the Pharisees because they were religious manipulators like many people today that's on TV and radio. They're religious manipulators. I've had to tell some people that I counsel that are so depressed and anxious because they listen to all of the horrible negative things on some uh, radio preachers, I tell them, you need to quit listening to them. I said, they don't talk about the power of God. They don't talk about deliverance. They don't talk about victory in Christ. They are not bearing fruit. And, and so in the Old Testament, the prophets and Jesus in the New Testament pronounce curses. Now, uh, there's different types of curses that the Bible speaks about and that people involved in the occult use. There are curses against people. There can be curses against an individual. There can be curses against a family. We've known families that just seem to have a curse because everything they do just is not fruitful, is not profitable. Uh, for example, uh, during uh, during the time of the Great Awakening in America, uh, Dr. Jonathan Edwards was uh, given the, uh, the credit for the first Great Awakening in America, in Massachusetts. He preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. For 100 years, uh, Jonathan Edwards' family, all of his relatives, were, were preachers, doctors, lawyers, leaders in the community. Uh, the women were successful as well. During the same time, though, it was the Jukes family. And uh, old man Jukes uh, was a criminal. And for the same hundred year period as Jonathan Edwards lived in his family, every one of the men and the women in the Jukes family were criminals. Many of the women were prostitutes. Uh, the men were crooks and murderers and, and liars and thieves. So there are whole families that are cursed. Uh, we've looked, if you look throughout history, there's even tribes that are cursed in different uh, countries or ethnic groups that are cursed. A, a physical property can be cursed. Uh, <clears throat> whenever I would lead a, a satanic high priest or priestess to Christ, I would have them take me to the ritual site 
the actual property where they perform their ceremonies. And what I would do is I would walk around the property and I said, I renounce the curses on this property and I pray that it's covered by the blood of, of the lamb and I declare to the north, east, west, and south, the book of Revelation calls it the four corners of the earth. Uh, I declare in the name of Jesus that no more spells, no more curses pronounced on this property can be effective or work. And I walked all over the property. There is property that can be cursed. I, I'm sure if you've uh, looked uh, on some of the uh, the Stranger Than Truth uh, television shows, it shows property that nothing will grow on that. No matter what they do, it was cursed years ago, and nothing will grow. There is curses placed on objects. Uh, uh, I have seen through the years, people have had uh, demons haunt their house. We call it haunted house. They often can say they brought this, they bought this object. When they brought this object into their house, then these demons and these dark figures started to appear. This is a cursed object. I was, I was the keynote speaker at a, uh, a large Bible conference. Uh, I preached just before lunch at noon. You know, you got to stop because you got to eat. <laughs> <clears throat> so we were waiting around for them to finish cooking the chicken and uh, me being the nosy person that I admit to be, I overheard a group of about five or six men talking. And here's the conversation. This was the first week in January. Every year, the first week in January, they had a Bible conference in this area. And this man told this story. He said, he said, his five-year-old daughter is in the hospital right now dying. She's in a coma. And um, he said that before she went to the hospital, she had no appetite. She could not uh, keep water down, no liquids, no food. And she was horribly ill and when she was in a coma they rushed her to the hospital so I was talking to some other people so I turn around and I stick my head in this group of five or six men so I said to the father I said sir let me ask you a question what did you give your daughter did, when did this start he said Christmas day I said, tell me what gifts you gave your daughter on Christmas. So he told some of the gifts. And one of the gifts he said was a doll. I said, well, what kind of doll did you give your daughter? 
He said, I gave her a Cabbage Patch doll. I said, now, a Cabbage Patch doll, for those of you who are not aware, is a unique type of doll. And when you buy a Cabbage Patch doll and you give it to a child, you technically, you adopt that doll. Mm. Because that Cabbage Patch doll comes with adoption papers. So I said to the father, what is the name on the adoption papers of the Cabbage Patch doll that you gave your daughter on Christmas Day, the day she started to have a coma, be in a coma? He says, I don't know. I said, well, you said she's dying right now in the hospital, right? He said, that's right. I said, how is important, how important is this to you? He said, this is a 10 out of 10. I said, go home and get the box and the papers that came in the box, which are the adoption papers. He said, I only live seven minutes away. I'll go do it right now. <laughs> he went home, drove seven minutes, took seven minutes, came back. In about 15 minutes, he was back. He got these adoption papers and he looked at it. And he said, I don't know what this means. I said, this is a Hindu God. So they had a big, thick collegiate dictionary, and I looked it up. The name on the Cabbage Patch doll adoption papers that he gave his precious little daughter on Christmas Day was the name of the Hindu god of malnutrition. <laughs> Evidently, someone on the assembly line was from India and was a Hindu, <clears throat> So she wrote the name that person on the assembly line wrote on the adoption papers of that cabbage patch doll the name of the Hindu god of malnutrition. Now, get this straight. <clears throat> From the very second that little girl, five years old, opened that cabbage patch doll, she accepted in the spirit realm, she accepted the adoption papers and the name of the Hindu god of malnutrition. From that second on, she did not eat, she did not drink, and within uh, two hours, she was in a coma. She was rushed to the hospital. Here, a week later, she's in a coma, and she could die that day. <clears throat> so the father said, what should I do? I said, look, for the sake of time, because she could die any minute in the hospital. I said, will you delegate authority to me over your daughter and this doll? He said, yes, I sure will. So here's what I prayed. I said, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> on behalf of this father and his wife, I renounce and reject them giving this doll to their daughter as a Christmas gift, even though it was well-intentioned, I renounce and reject it, and I renounce and reject the Hindu god of malnutrition. I claim by faith it was nailed to the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago, is covered by the blood of the Lamb, and is null and void. I take the sword of the Spirit and sever all ties between the Hindu god of malnutrition, that doll, and this five-year-old girl and I sever ties to the parents uh, 
from this doll. And I prayed that she would be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And I released from heaven <clears throat> the spirit of life and health. And I claimed John 10, 10, that Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And I claimed this for this five-year-old girl in the name of Jesus, that her appetite would return and she would be able to hold food and liquids down. And I pray that you would heal her as a great physician. In Jesus' name, amen. The Father, everybody, just all these preachers standing around, they just spontaneously applauded because they felt bad for this Father. Mm. And the Father said, what do I do now? I said, I'll tell you what you do. There's a fire pit out there that they cook this chicken on. I said, you go out there, you burn that box, you burn those adoption papers, and you say, I renounce these, and I have nothing more to do with it, and, and neither does my wife or my daughter have anything to do with it. I renounce it and reject it and claim it was nailed to the cross of Christ. Faster than flash, he ran out there to that barbecue pit, burned that box, burned those adoption papers. And when the last bit of cardboard was burned, two minutes later, the office, the church office telephone rang. It was his wife calling from the hospital. And the secretary goes and finds him. She says, quick, your wife is calling from the hospital. So he runs in the church office. And he said, really? Really? Yes. Because he was so loud on the phone, everybody could hear. So then he said, praise the Lord. And he hung up. So he came out and all of these preachers are interested in what's going on. And so he spoke loud to everybody. And he said, I'll tell you what just happened. He said, <clears throat> when all of those, when we renounced that curse and we, and I burned that box, he said, within five minutes, my daughter came out of the coma miraculously. The first thing she says is, mommy, I'm hungry and thirsty. And they gave her a sandwich to eat and she drank a full glass of water. And, and that is why you need to be careful what you give your children because there are curses on objects. In fact, this five-year-old girl made such a miraculous recovery that that evening at six o'clock, this was two o'clock, that evening at six o'clock, she went home and she was perfectly normal after that. I think that that means that the power of Jesus Christ is greater than the power of Satan. Two, I think that this is just such a powerful illustration of what is meant when the words cursed objects are employed. I think it's a caution that our marketplace is not necessarily safe. And just because a toy Sorry. is sold in... Toys R Us, which is actually, I don't know if they're doing so good anymore. <laughs> Toys R Us. No, they're not. They've closed a lot of stores. <laughs> it, 
we, you got to buy it at Walmart now or Amazon. But, uh, you know, j- just because a toy is sold in a public venue and not on like a side street in some third world country by a practicing witch doctor that has skulls hanging around their neck, it, it, it doesn't mean that it's safe. Um, especially if you are a family that has, you know, the blessing of God on you and, and, and a, you know, a destiny in Christ that the enemy would like to target and derail if at all possible. There's, there's caution that is required. And that story just brings out so many really, really good points. Let me, let me, uh, you see, when we say this object is cursed, very simply, here's what it means. Someone pronounced a curse on that object, first of all. So in the spirit realm, we have to renounce and reject that proclamation, that ritual, that ceremony, that evil declaration. And we nail it to the cross of Christ and claim it's covered by the blood of the Lamb and it's null and void. Null and void means wiped away clean as if it never happened. It's the concept of justification, just as if I never sinned. <clears throat> but so it, the curse itself means a demon is assigned to that object or to that property or to that toy or to that antique or to that business or a demon uh, this one uh, woman she was a Christian school teacher she used to be involved in the occult and groups would place curses on her so that she could not progress there's curses that you cannot progress and if we have time I'll I'll read you the exact curse that witches uh, <laughs> claim now let me let me tell you this uh, this story that will if you own a business you're going to hang on every word of the story i had a man come to my church to make a long story short he had 120 demons. Now you say, how do you know that? I'm glad, Dan, you asked that question. Well, thank you. You're welcome. He had 120 demons. Most of them were demons of infirmity because I talked to every demon. Here's how I did it. I have no superpowers. I'm not a super Christian. I'm just a sissy preacher that sits behind a desk pushing a pencil and reading the Bible like any other Christian in the world. It's just that I believe the Bible is the word of God and you show your faith by your works, by what you do. You show what you really believe by the way you behave. So I simply said, uh, We'll just say his name was John. I said, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I bind any evil spirit in the spirit, soul, or body of John, and I command any demon to manifest and speak, by the blood of Jesus Christ, what is your name? So one by one, all 120 demons told me their name and told me what their responsibility was. 
Many of them were infirmity. They caused a physical problem. When we renounced it and cast the demon out, the physical infirmity disappeared. It wasn't magic. It was the power of God. It was a miracle. But one of them, I said, by the blood of Jesus Christ, what is your name? And the demon told me his name. I said, well, what do you do? John owned a shoe store. And John said, he said, Dr. Bailey, he said, the last few months, my business has dwindled down to so few shoes that were sold that if my business does not improve within a week, I'll have to file bankruptcy. So <clears throat> I, I commanded this demon. I said, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I command you to tell me, what is your responsibility? The demon said this, my responsibility is to place a curse on his shoe store. Mm. I said, what? I said, how do you do that? He said, <clears throat> I stand in the front of his store, and when any potential customer comes and heads towards the door of his store, he said, I emit a stench, a momentary stench that turns people off. And he said, most of the time, they just keep walking on because they're turned off by the stench. He said, <clears throat> the demon said, but if they go in the store anyway, he said, that demon follows them and keeps emitting that stench until they leave the store. And he said, as a result, I prevent the people from buying shoes. And he said, that's why his business is failing. So I said, <clears throat> I said, John, will you let me uh, cast this demon out on your behalf? He said, I sure will. Praise the Lord. Now, he was a Christian, and he had 120 demons in his body. And he, <clears throat> so I and, said. And, and, and you double-checked and make sure that he didn't say uh, the sinner's prayer wrong. Oh, exactly. I'm just kidding. I'm I, just kidding. <laughs> I'm a very skeptic. I double, triple check everything. <laughs> Go so ahead. I said, you're a character. So I said, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I renounce and reject this demon that has placed a curse on his shoe store. And I claim by faith he was nailed to the cross. This curse was nailed to the cross of Christ, covered by the blood of the Lamb, and is null and void. I bind this demon with the curse in chains of faith, forged in the blood of the Lamb, and I release from heaven God's heavenly warriors to drag this demon with this curse away from his store and go to the feet of Jesus, and I pray that Jesus would put his foot on this demon's neck and defeat it so it cannot go back to that store. I pray that his store would be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, and I pray that God would bless his store, and I pray that all around the front of his store, it would be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, the air would be cleansed, so there can be no evil stench 
that would affect his business. And not only that, I pray that God would bless his business and that the Holy Spirit would draw customers in his store. And I claim this in the name of Jesus. Uh, amen. <clears throat> well, it was about four o'clock, so he he left and went home. The next day, he opened the shoe store like usual. It was two o'clock, and he called me. And he was so excited, he could hardly speak. He said, Dr. Bailey, you just won't believe this. I said, well, what is it? He said, I've had more business this morning than I have had the last month. In just five hours, he's had more business than he's had total the last month or month and a half. I said, praise the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. I said, let's pray that you have even more business. He said, amen. <laughs> so we did. on the. But you see, you have not because you asked not. So, so we need to take curses seriously. He took he took a curse on his shoe store seriously. Now let me let me just add mm. <clears throat> any area of our life, someone can place a curse on us. And we may not know who it is. It could be someone that you work with and they resent you. They resent that you're the best salesman at work. They could resent you because you dress nicer than they do. They could resent you because you're better looking than they are. And every morning they look in the mirror and they say, boy, I'm the ugliest person at this job. It doesn't matter. There are now even, uh, even here in Florida, there are actually places you can go to where a Santeros can place a curse on, on anybody if you pay them, you just give them a photograph or uh, a, any object related to you, and they can place a curse on you. So every day, you know, I hear some of these radio preachers whining and crying, oh, these Satanists place a curse on me and blah, 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 please send me money. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Look, I wouldn't waste I wouldn't waste a plug nickel sending it to that that preacher that doesn't have a, enough faith to get out of the bathtub. <laughs> <clears throat> I I am not worried about any curse. Here's why. Every morning and every night I renounce any curse hex spell evil prayer Come evil on. ritual ceremony evil assignment evil technology mm. placed against me and my family I claim it was nailed to the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago covered by the blood of the Lamb and it was null and void and I release the blessings that God has in store for me in heaven out of his heavenly storehouse, I claim Philippians 4.19, that God has promised he'll meet every one of my needs 
according to his riches in glory. You know what that means? Heavenly storehouse. The bank of heaven. God is the bank of heaven. Oh, yes, he I does. Agree. Uh, Amen. Many. Amen. I, I, and I, I just want to come in here and just say a few things because you just touched on, so, okay, so many good points. One, the, the, just coming back to this demon that would release the stench. It, it, this just lines up with so much that I've learned. And, and it's so funny when you talk to either human parts that live primarily in the spirit that work with the demonic forces, the satanic agents or the demons themselves, how they explain what they do. I remember I was talking to one and I was like, how do you make this person forget things at inconvenient moments? They said, I blow on their head and they forget. <laughs> And it's like, so you blow. The demon puts off a stench, uh, different things. And, and then you come back to spiritual mechanics and you're like, wait a minute. All of this is in the word because the Holy Spirit um, and, and spirits in general can be referred to as breath, ruach, wind. Um, That's right. And, the, you know, you, you, you look at uh, uh, the, like, like a smell and... Paul talks about in Philippians how a, a an offering to God, a free will offering, can be a sweet-smelling aroma. And it's like it doesn't mean that the coins smell like perfume. That is a generated spiritual aroma, because it, but it's sweet-smelling. But if there's a sweet-smelling, there's going to be a stench. And That's right. the, so the, uh, people don't recognize how what things you know, process in the spirit actually do affect us in our spiritual senses, even if we're not like aware of it, you know, and, and that your, your story, cause I'm sure you asked the people like, did you smell something funny in there? Maybe 10% did. And those were all the seers and Satanists that actually engage on that level. That's right. <laughs> and then another 90%, they're just like, I just didn't want to buy any shoes. And, and this is why surrounding a person's business with angels of favor is a realistic strategy because yeah. you know what? The Bible says that his angels will bear us up in their hands, lest we dash your foot upon a stone. And that has that that passage has so many applications, you know, and, and I, I just love that you're bringing up so many um, keys, keys uh, to unlock breakthrough, uh, you know, and, and, and just uh, pieces of information, data points that will affect the paradigm that people have is they begin to engage the powers of darkness. And, you know, you said what you said is so correct. And even like um, in, in the book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, what people will find is that there is a renunciation of curses and all kinds of stuff in both the evening prayer and the morning prayer. It, it, and I use them as pr every morning I renounce every curse, just like you, Dr. Bailey. I And I go through every curse, hex, vex, spell, incantation, form of witchcraft, voodoo, dark art, weaponized demonic activity. I mean, it just gets cut off every morning. And, you know, it's it's funny because sometimes they try to do funny things at night. I remember the uh, some time ago I was in a dream and which some kind of warlock or evil person, sorcerer, shows up in the dream and they're doing all these funny hand signs, the satanic hand sign symbols, and they're going through it in their patterns and doing stuff. And I know someone's trying to curse me while I'm asleep. <laughs> and so I woke up and I was just like, you got to be kidding me. So I shut it down, you know, um, and, and, and then I did some other stuff that and I. I'm not going to talk about what I did because, um, you know, but uh, essentially I could literally hear them in the spirit complaining like, oh, what did you do? That's not fair. Oh, man. You know, and, and it's just like, oh. but see, that's what happens when you do bad things. 
and you come against the wrong person. Like, I am not the right person. You know, you, you are messing with someone who knows who they are in Christ and who's raising people up to know who they are in Christ. Like, you know, check yourself and make sure you double check your assignment and say, because they're, you know, another target maybe, because there will be consequences if you attack this one. Anyway, um, I, I just wanted to say, you know, like they, they try, try some of this fancy stuff. I, I want to share one more story because you got me thinking and then I'll come back, you know, and let you continue. But I remember one night I was, I was in a, uh, I, I was just dreaming and maybe some people that listen to the program have heard me tell the story before, but there, there's uh, this woman in my dream and she's prophesying over it. She, 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 and she's doing one of these like Pentecostal prophecies. Like, oh, brother, I hear the Lord saying that you are blessed and hallowed favored. Hallelujah. And I, I hear the Lord saying that there's, there's g- great blessing coming to you. And I hear the Lord saying that he loves you and, and all this stuff that is true, not because they're prophesying, yeah. but because it said that in the Bible. So, but, but you know, I'm, I'm in a dream. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And then I said, but I, but I hear the Lord saying that, that, a great sickness is coming upon you. And I hear that it, it's going to be coming unto you nigh. Un, you're going to go nigh unto death. It's going to take you nigh unto death. And, 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 and then they begin to go in this direction. And this is in the dream. And I'm processing. I'm like, wait a minute. And um, so, 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 so my spirit rises up. And I actually uh, go and start praying in tongues, praying in tongues right out of the dream. And I, I wake up and I'm like, I renounce that curse in the name of the Jesus. These sneaky suckers, they tried to inject a dream with a message to burrow into my subconscious an agreement with a curse against my health, and it failed. But that's because I know the truth. And so anyway, I, I just had to bring up a few stories. Anyway, back to you and what you were saying, doctor. Now, uh, people need to remember that a lot of objects are cursed. Now, the objects that give me the most concern, now by the way, that Cabbage Patch doll was brand new off the factory. But just imagine antiques had been around for over a hundred years. And I could spend the rest of the week telling horror stories of antiques that were cursed and when you buy it and bring it into your house bad things will start to happen uh, there's a famous story of a of a famous professor at seminary he was a missionary to Africa and uh there were some idols made out of wood and uh, when he got off the mission field he came back to America and brought him with him well everybody in his house was getting sick they were getting depressed and uh, they prayed and they they weren't getting any relief Now, here is this former missionary and now a professor at a leading seminary in America. And one night he couldn't sleep. He starts walking through his house. And in this uh, glass case where he had these wooden idols, he sees fog coming out of the 
of these uh, idols. And he finally gets the connection that these idols were offered to demons, to Satan, and he's brought them in his house. And he brings the curses and the demons connected to those idols in his house. Uh, there, I have seen case after case after case through the years where people have bought antiques that someone had cursed 100, 200 years ago, and they brought them into their house. Now, what should you do? Now, first of all, you can look at an object, and you cannot tell if it's cursed or not. So the first thing you need to do is, if it is an antique, just in case, you just say, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I renounce and reject any curse, hex, spell, or evil prayer prayed against this object, and I claim it was nailed to the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago, and is covered by the blood of the Lamb, and it's null and void. Now, you also need to sever ties between that cursed object and any person, uh, place, location, uh, or it could even be connected to another object. And if you look at haunted houses, most of the time, it's connected to some cursed object in that house. Now, what's the best thing to do? The best thing to do is to burn the cursed object. Just like that father did in the in the in the fire pit where the food was cooked. Hmm. That's what the Bible says to do. In the book of Acts, it says they had witchcraft books and it says they burned them it loses its power so you need to burn it destroy it <clears throat> renounce it and claim it was nailed its power was nailed to the cross of christ and covered by the blood of the lamb now let me tell you what you don't do to a cursed object you don't bury it under no circumstances bury it because if you bury a cursed object, that is an occult ritual. You are performing an occult ritual, and you've gone from hell one to hell two. A retired pastor in one church I pastored, his daughter went with him to the dentist. While he was getting a cavity filled, his 12-year-old daughter was in the waiting room. Well, she happened to be sitting next to a witch. And the witch gave the girl a an amulet, a tiger's eye. So <clears throat> the father, the retired pastor, because of health issues, uh, got his daughter and started to drive home. When they got on the way home, his daughter said, uh, this woman gave me this. And she had an Ankh necklace, which is a sign of witchcraft. 
it's a, an Egyptian fertility symbol. And he said, that's, she was a witch. He said, that's a witchcraft. So as soon as he got home, he got a shovel and dug a hole and threw that tiger eye ring and threw it in the hole. The very second he threw a shovel full of dirt on that amulet, his front porch collapsed. That is a ritual. That's an occult ritual. You don't bury it because that's a ritual. That's witchcraft ritual. You renounce it. <clears throat> you cover it by the blood of the lamb. If you can't burn it, you break it. You get a hammer, you bust it to a million pieces. Uh, a woman was next to the attorney general in the state. She was the highest female law officer in the state. She was very depressed. She stayed depressed. She would see at night, demons would come through her locked doors in her house. She had two Dobermans and they were scared half to death. They would run out of her bed. So what had happened was she had a, a big crystal ball that was expensive. I said, you've got to destroy it. You've got to break it. She said, you don't understand. It's very valuable. And I go, look, I said, it's no skin off my nose. I don't have demons coming in my walls, attacking me and throwing me around my bedroom at night. <clears throat> I said, because I don't want any occult objects in my house. I said, I destroy them. I said, you have to renounce it, and then you have to destroy it. So from the second story balcony, she threw, she got that crystal ball and threw it outside. When it hit the concrete, it shattered in a thousand pieces. And the demon never came back. Mm. So you've got to, life is a series of choices. People today are, Christians are naive. They don't understand about cursed objects. And <clears throat> this is not new. What I'm talking about is not new. It's 2,000 years old. People in the Middle Ages knew more about cursed objects than we know today in churches. When is the last time you heard a sermon on TV or the radio about cursed objects. I don't, my father was a pastor. I don't think I've ever in my whole life heard a sermon about uh, cursed objects. Even though the Old Testament and the New Testament talks about curses time and time again. In fact, <clears throat> I have, I have a software, a Bible software program, mm -hmm. which is one of the best on the market. I put under the, I looked up the word curse. It feels pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of verses in the Old and New Testament. But nobody preaches about it. They think it's, it's, it's something that happens to somebody else.
and, and, and this is so good. I want to ask you if you've ever come across this before. Uh, a person has some occult book, like really bad stuff. And so they take something like this and throw it in a dumpster. And they go back to their house and it's back in the house. <clears throat> I have seen that happen many times. In fact, I'll never forget. There was a Christian <clears throat> there was a Christian band. <clears throat> and uh on one of their albums, uh they didn't realize it at the time, but they <clears throat> but the publisher had had put an occult symbol on the album cover. And when they realized it was uh, evil, it was a cult, they, they had a studio, a large studio, where they would play and practice their band. They drove in their car to the bridge, they got the album and threw it in the river from the bridge <clears throat> when they got back to their studio that album with the of, of the of the cover of their album it was still wet and it was right there on their doorstep they did it again <clears throat> they got the album they drove back to the bridge. They threw it over the bridge. They could see it. It floated in the water, and then it sank. By the time they got back to their studio, guess what was there on their front porch? That wet album with the occult symbol. So then what do they do? <clears throat> they come to my office. Here's this famous Christian man. And they're scared up to death and they don't know what to do <clears throat> now you know what these brilliant <clears throat> Christian singers did <clears throat> they got a psychic they hired a psychic to go through their studio and burn incense and other stuff well as soon as the psychic left truth is stranger than fiction. As soon as the psychic left, the drummer sat down to practice hitting the drum. An unseen force picked him up and threw him 20 feet backwards through the air and he hit the wall. Finally, they realized they're just digging a deeper hole so they came to my office and I go to their studio and I renounce the curse placed on them by their own foolishness, their own ignorance and I told them quit getting psychics and all these others and <clears throat> they didn't have any more problems after that but Christians don't understand what they do a lot of the times. 
In fact, listen to this. On Saturday cartoons, <clears throat> parents love their little children. And so the cartoons on Saturday that's often occult-related and they have magic nuts and all this other stuff. What do they think magic is? They buy these toys for their little kids <clears throat> and their kids have nightmares. They have objects flying through the air in their little kid's room. <clears throat> so here's what I tell them. I said, look, take those objects that are questionable, whether it's cold, put it in a black trash bag close the top and put it out in the shed for a week and just see if things change for one week in your child's bedroom. I said, if nothing changes, then go ahead and keep it. But if it changes dramatically for the better, you get those objects and you burn them. And guess what happens every time? The parents burn them. <laughs> uh, well, Dr. Bailey, I'll tell you what, you have definitely brought an incredible set of data and um, so many, so many um, really, really awesome testimonies of the way God moves, the way curses work, how they can be broken, um, Folks, let me tell you something. Dr. Bailey is full of knowledge and wisdom. I'll tell you, if you want to find him, you can do it at spiritualwarfarecenter.com. Uh, he's also on our website at bridemovement.com under our Find a Coach page. Please don't all reach out to him at the same time. I know you want to, but, well, <laughs> then again, how would you know who's reaching out to him before you are? So good luck, Dr. Bailey. That said... <laughs> <laughs> We're closing the show for the day. Thank you so much, Dr. Bailey, for joining me and uh, taking the time to talk about this. Folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.